here's the Christian guy. He's not telling anybody he believes in the supernatural. Here's this scientist. They don't believe in the supernatural, but then they superstitiously turn to it the minute they can't explain something. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 6, from 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is in the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the an ambassador in chains, and I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're um, segueing into the uh, invisible, the invisible war. Um, so I've been thinking about this, and uh, this is kind of a pivot. We're changing, and we've been in John, and Satan's been running around in the corners of the narrative. He's he's popping up. He's he enters. He enters uh, Judas. And, and, and he, he's, a, he's a player. He's, he's in the background, kind of mysteriously, invisibly moving. There is a, a living, uh, intelligent, uh, personal, uh, a personally aware power. We call him the devil. The, 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 the scriptures call him Satan, the adversary, and the accuser. And so, uh, I, you know, I, but one of the things I'm worried about with this is the devil as I, I'm going to put it this way, uh, the devil in the gaps. That's what I'm afraid of. That's one of the things I'm afraid of, the devil in the gaps. What I mean is uh, we have a tendency, and we have to be very careful about this, to kind of use the devil whenever we don't know what happened. <laughs> it's kind of like a fill-in, like, oh, wait a second, things are bad. Oh, wait, that was, insert here, that's the devil. Or, you know, and, and what can happen with this kind of thinking and the way can we engage in it, we begin to sound like, now some of you haven't heard this and you'll be able to, to the miracle of YouTube, find out about it. 
But the church lady, if you don't know about the church lady as a Christian, you are out of it. You need to know about the church lady because that is how many people perceive us in the world. Does anybody remember the church lady? As people were worried about what was happening in their lives or some conflict or, or and this woman obnoxiously and, and, and self-righteously and aggressively would say, could it be Satan? At every point. At every point there's a crisis. Oh, could it be Satan? And what does that sound like? What is that kind of conversation? What does that mean? That is Christian superstition. Do you follow that? That's, that's superstitious thinking put in kind of camouflaged behind a, a, a Christian worldview. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the devil, I'm going to take the idea of Satan, I'm going to take the idea of a spiritual warfare, and I'm simply going to pop it in wherever I can fill in the gaps. Here's a gap, here's a gap, here's a gap. I'm going to put the devil in there. I think it's, it's such a huge mistake for us. It's such a huge, it's, it, we have to wrestle. <laughs> we have to wrestle, remember? Remember what's, what we do not wrestle? We have to wrestle, but, um, but our wrestling, <laughs> our wrestling happens according to a, a sense of rules. I, I'm a, let me give you an example. I, I'm always kind of amazed by this and, and how people think and how we think and how people get superstitious and how we and people interact with Christians, et cetera. And I, I was having dinner with a friend of mine who had married a non-Christian woman. He was a Christian and, and they, they had married. And I, I couldn't approve of that. I, I think that's an imbalanced relationship. It's, it's doomed in some ways. And, and, and there's a lot, it's fraught with problems. And, and I can, if you want to talk more about that personally with me, I'd love to talk to you about it. But, uh, but we were sitting at dinner and he and I had known this man for years, and, and he and his, they've just gotten married, and, and at, at some point during the conversation, he begins to, we had just gotten a pet. We had just gotten a dog. Have you met, have you met Parker? He's a gift from God. He's, a, he's, my, he's my Jesus dog, right? I love this animal. Now, so uh, we're talking about dogs, and he says, you know what? I had a dog that was so close to my heart. He was so, we were so intimately connected that the day he died, I was in LA, and the day he died, and the moment he died, I was out of the office, and I felt a feeling, I just knew, a despair and, and, and sadness and grief just came over me, and I knew that my dog, my, my favorite dog, my dog that I was, had died. And he's, he's sharing this with the table. The weirdest thing happens right at this moment. You, you're going to believe this. this is a weird, weird conversation. His wife looks at him in front of, uh, of me in town and goes, what are you talking about? You don't believe in stuff like that. It was really weird. It was like, I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm, and I'm looking at her and I look at him and she goes, you don't believe in stuff like that at all. I mean, I'm a scientist. I don't believe in stuff like that. And I'm looking at him, and then I look, I look at him, and I'm thinking, wait a second, have you told her anything about what you believe? Does she have any idea what you really believe? Well, obviously, she didn't. And I'm sitting there, and I, I'm kind of, and he doubles down. He's like, no, it happened. I knew the moment it happened. And then she, she looks, she goes, well, I'm a scientist. I don't believe in that kind of thing. And then she goes, but... Maybe dogs have souls and spirits. 
and maybe, and it was the weirdest flip. Like all of a sudden she resorted to a weird view of the world where everything has a spirit and everything, can, every spirits can bounce off and communicate to each other. And, and I'm sitting there at the table thinking, this is insanity. Like it just seemed kind of nuts. Here's the Christian guy. He's not telling anybody he believes in the supernatural. Here's this scientist. They don't believe in the supernatural, but then they superstitiously turn to it the minute they can't explain something. It was this weird, and I'm sitting there, and I don't believe him about the dog. Because even though I believe in the supernatural world, I don't believe that dogs have souls. And that there's some sort of hidden communication between me and Parker at home right now. There isn't. Like, I, it's so weird to sit at a table where I'm the one who doesn't believe in the spiritual explanation that somebody's giving to me. And then the scientist does believe it and comes up with their own. And it's... It just makes you want to tear your hair out because you realize how much confusion is all around you. But you know what I thought about when I was thinking about that story? I was thinking about how, um, in a weird way, he is like the church and she is like the world. And the world will find out, we're friends with the world, and we'll find out we really believe that there's a spiritual world. We really believe in something spiritual around us. And the world looks at you and goes, you don't really... What? You don't really believe that junk. You don't, you're not engaged with that sort of superstition, are you? And then coming up with some wild explanation itself that it can't explain. We- it was odd. It was strange. It was, it was weird. It feels like that's, I, I, that's, that's this idea of tucking my spirituality in the gaps. To, to, to somehow explain something I can't explain. That's it. And what's the problem with that spirituality? is it doesn't actually personally engage you with the love and knowledge of God. It doesn't, it doesn't connect you with his power. It doesn't connect you with his strength. It doesn't make you able to stand. And when we talk about, about, about spiritual conflict today, I want to talk about standing. What does it mean to stand? I was thinking about this week. By the way, I looked at the Oxford English Dictionary. Stand in English is weird. I mean, you can stand up, you can stand down, you can stand by, you can stand out. You, and they all mean different things to stand. But here in the Bible, stand, I want us to have three basic ideas that kind of tuck into it. Three concepts that live in it. First, a conflict we're going to explore is to stand, in a sense, is just to show up. Standing is the art of showing up. <laughs> it's the art of arriving, of being there, of being in, the, of being in it. And, and that is a part of it. It's just simply, you came this morning, you're standing. I know you're sitting right now, Jeff, but you're standing. You're standing. In other words, you're, you're, you're taking your place in the love of God as your own. It's just take, it's showing up. It's the art of, it's what Deepak and I talk about, just presence. Take stand. This word stand here is a command. This is not being delivered as advice. These are actually moral imperatives given to a plural of a group. Y'all, stand. Stand. That's the first idea of showing up. The second idea that's tucked inside of it, and it's here all over the text, is that part of standing is bracing. You know what I'm talking about bracing? You know know, on the subway, as it it pulls away, what do you do? Have you ever done this? You put your feet so that they're on either side of the momentum of the, of the car and the subway, so that if, if you, as it rocks you around, you don't fall over. And if you're kind of a tough guy like me, you try to, you try to figure out how you can stand in the subway without holding on to something, as if holding on to the railing is weakness. I'm going I'm to stand. I'm going I'm to stand. Of course, I fall over when I do that. But 
There's something about bracing. Standing is this idea of bracing for impact. And you hear it in this, t- it's, 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 you're, you're getting, be, you're bracing because like, you just expect it. You're, you're aware, you're, you're set up and you're ready. And there's a third sense that Stan has in the Bible, and that is just standing and not giving up. To keep going, <laughs> just to remain standing, <laughs> just to be the person still standing when all is said and done. And those three ideas, to show up, to brace, and to stand your ground as it were, not to give up. That's standing in the Bible. That's what we're being called into. And I think this whole, everything we're going to do in this whole little series on the invisible war is going to be, how do we get there? How do we stand? How do we stand? And what does it look like to, to wear all of this? But remember, we're just kind of ramping up still. We're still ramping up. And uh, as we get introduced to the battle, I want to talk, first of all, about how, if we're called to stand, how, we, how shall we stand? There's a scene this is weird. This is a really weird one. I don't know how to visually. I wasn't. Gonna, this isn't even in my notes, which is bad. I know, but uh, but there's this moment uh, that's described by Jesus where uh, where people will uh, will be when God comes to judge them, they'll be cowering in, in fear and they'll be asking the rocks to fall on them. Have you ever, have you ever read that? They're going to ask, and they said, and 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 what is said in Revelation? They're saying something. Who? can stand. In the day of the Lord, who can stand? Who's going to be left standing in all these things that are, who, who's going to make it? And if you have been walking with Christ for a while, you begin to wonder that yourself. You begin to look around and wonder who's going to make it. Stand. There's a, is, there is a great challenge in just the idea of standing. And the question is alive in this room, who can stand in the day of the Lord? Who can stand in the conflict that's coming? Who, who's going to make it? All of those who are standing in Jesus. All right, so that's, all, that's what I want to do to ask, give us three kind of, as it were, uh, directions on standing that are here and, and, and equip us to get out of here and, and go, go, deal with, go deal with all that. Okay, so, all right. The first thing I want you to see here, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mighty power, put on. There's something here, there's a fundamental idea here that I have heard Christianity again and again, and that is a let go and let God. Have you heard this kind of teaching? There is something alive in Christianity which, which really will push, and sometimes I think it's another version of superstitious Christianity, the idea that all you need to do is just not try. In other words, if I could get passive enough, if I could get dependent enough, if I could get, I don't need to do anything, and God's going to do everything for me. You could see how somebody might think that, right? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You could see that there might be a sense here of passivity, but I don't want you, that sort of passive Christianity, that sort of pious waiting, it's not what is happening here. No, there's something else happening, and this is what we would call an active, an active radical dependence, an active dependence on God. What is it? An active seeking of the place and the point and the, and, the, and, the, and the power. Where can I get into? Let me give you an example. I, I, uh, I like war games. Like, I'm, I'm dudes on a map. I'm talking like, I'm such a hardcore geek. I, I, if I could, I could get like a map of Europe and reenact World War II, I love that stuff. Well, one of the things they do in one of these games is you look for the lines of supply. And if you, can, if you can isolate a troop's line of supply, that troop is dead on the board. You know why? 
Because that's true in real life. <laughs> that is just 100% true in real life. If you were able, one of the, one of the, one of the master uh, uh, one of the, uh, the masterful strokes about D-Day that we just celebrated recently was, that it, was, it, was to, it was to attack the line of supply. It was to destroy the, once you destroy the supply, the soldier can no longer function, can't get ammunition, can't f- eat, can't. And do you think that our enemy doesn't know that as well? And you think that's not a factor in who we are and how we live and how we stand? What are we being encouraged here? To actively figure out how I can both connect and be connected to the power of God alive in me. There's a sense here of almost like a radical dependence and seeking that radical dependence radically too. In other words, there's nothing passive here. It's a constant seeking out how to be connected, how to access, how to have that power flowing in me and through me to others. And it's, this is the work of the believer is for us to find out where that power, where does the power lie then? Where does it exist? It exists in the simple confidence of sinners in the love of God. The strength of the Lord is always the present abundance of his mercy for sinners. Didn't you know that? And didn't you know, and didn't you, and it's funny, one of the things we'll find here, one of the reasons Paul begins with finally be strong in the Lord, the strength of his power is because if there is a way of understanding Satan's goals, it is to separate you from God's power. Uh, I, you know, I, sometimes I, I remember the first time somebody had uh, kind of introduced this to me. This idea that Satan isn't really... Look, Satan, Satan might want to get you to sin, right? That's often we think that, that, our, that the enemy's goal is to get you to, to sin, to do something stupid or bad. I don't think that's it. I think that's just, that's just a step along the way. The real goal is to separate you from a sense that his loving power is still for you. And that's his master stroke. Our enemy is determined that you will fear that God has no longer loved you and his power is not for you. And that his power, in fact, exists for somebody, some super Christian, some something super spiritual out there, somebody who doesn't. And this, this trick, this old trick of kind of, of us thinking the wrong, our enemy is brazen and that he want, what he wants to do more than anything is to destroy this confidence that God's power is for us. Does that make sense? To destroy the confidence and how? All right, so this is what happens to me. I don't know if you psychologically go through this. This is what happens to me. Uh, let's say I, I, I sin in some way. I'm, I'm tempted to, and I say, I, I, I'm cross with, with, with towel. I'm irritated, and I snap at her. Now, that is enough. That's enough to, that's a sin right there, and it's enough to get. But what happens is, as I think about that sin, then I begin to, this is what happens. This is where Chris Robbins is, this is where the, the battle happens for Chris. Oh, you know, Chris, I hear, the, I hear the enemy say, or I hear some accusation in my soul arise. You ought not to hope for a blessing in the sermon. You shouldn't hope for that. You shouldn't hope for my presence, for God's presence with you because you've been a bad boy. You have, you're not the kind of person that God works through. You're not the sort of person. You're so weak. You're such a disgrace. You're so unable. How could you dare to? And you hear it? Do you hear it? You hear, you hear all the enemies, what the enemy's doing there? Getting me to sin. Well, that was easy. Honestly, that's, a, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. 
Getting me to sin is not hard. Getting me to think that I no longer have this loving power in my life, that's victory for the enemy. We're being called to stand. We're being called to stand. And in our standing, uh, we're seeing Satan's real goals and pursuing an active radical dependence. How? Continual pressure. And this is, this is something I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I was thinking about this for you, Grace. Uh, Cedric, Cedric's here too. Uh, Cedric, I was thinking about this for you. When you gave your life to Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, Grace, I feel like maybe I didn't really fill you in on something. I may have omitted some of the, the less glamorous parts of being a Christian. And one of the less glamorous parts is this. That word, we do not wrestle, is in the present indicative. What does that mean? It's constant, continual, active, in-your-face wrestling. What, what, what the idea here is, there is never a place or a time where you are not engaged. In other words, I, maybe, maybe I cheated you both. Maybe I should have told you, oh, by the way, you're going to turn your life to Christ. Get ready for a continual battle. Uh, this, this idea, this active idea, this, this, this is, blows me away. Because we, we, I think we have a, a, an idea, a progressive idea, perhaps, that we're going to increase in godliness, and somehow the conflicts of life or somehow our own holiness is going to get easier. It's, going to get, it's just going to be a little easier to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get the hang of this. I'm going to get on top of this. I'm going to get on top. And what happens when you do that? What happens when you're, when you're deceived that way? And you're, you're, you're not. You're no longer prepared. You're no longer braced for impact. You're no longer showing up. You're no longer understanding to keep going. The idea to keep going, to persevere to the end, to stand until the end is, is, is given that way because all along the way, there's going to be temptations to quit. All along the way, there's going to be temptations to give up. And it's never going to relent. Uh, I, I almost like I was saying this. I would say it this way. Say you're making plans about what to do with your future with school, or you're making plans for your marriage or business, or or about how you're just about your involvement in church. There's almost like to say this: Have you factored in to every equation? Spiritual conflict will exist here. It's funny, you know. I came here this morning and it's like all this noise and all this stuff going on. I think I opened the curtain. Two naked people were walking by, and one was holding a leash for the other person. And I'm like, you know, it's like, it's pretty jarring, right? It's pretty jarring. And I feel the con and all of a sudden I'm like, why am I surprised? Why do I get so thrown off my game? Why am I, when, when, when I'm being told that this is an active, continual, present, immediate, in your face battle. Remember wrestling, what's wrestling? Wrestling is all personal contact. There's nothing abstract about it. There's nothing removed. And I, I wondered, uh, just asking this question, this is where the language comes, I think that's so beautiful here. Uh, look what he says. He says, he uses in 13, he uses the word take up. And then in verse 11, he uses the uh, command put on. They're both, they're both commands in the, in the Greek. Put on, take up. And what, what, is, what, is, what is Paul, by using the word actually to put on is the word enduce, endu, enduo. You guys remember the word to endu? To clothe. Now, what, the reason I think this is so compelling is it's an invitation 
to like almost like a habitual. You get that? It's, it's, it's saying it's habitual. It's like, it's put it on. What, what you, you get dressed every day, don't you? Put on the armor of God because you're going to fight today. <laughs> you can say this to yourself every morning, Evie. You can get up and say this to you. There's a continual command that's in force because the, the, Paul's vision is that the spiritual battle is constant. You, 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 you have to constantly, you have to dress you have to dress for war every day. And, and, and that constancy, that, 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 that is, well, in this dressing for war, what is it? It's putting on the armor, his power. It's putting on his love. It's standing in his forgiveness. And it's putting on the cross. And that's why, if you notice, it's kind of fun. As you look at these, the belt of truth, Breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, the red of the gospel of peace, shield of faith. They're all ways, and we're going to see they're all angles on what it looks like to grab God's power. They're all angles on what it looks like to live in the cross and the freedom and power of God for life. And each one of them is like a, each one of them addresses a particular tactic of the enemy. Whether it's lying or deceiving or accusing or, or interfering or all these different and each piece opens you up to a, a new strategy versus a new tactic of the enemy. But they all can be boiled down to he wants to get you to not think that God's loving power is for you. He wants to deceive you that your sin can remove you from grace. He wants to trap you into inactivity. It's like immobility, I think, is the devil's constant goal. It's, it's his strategy. And this putting on taking up is this idea of a, of a constant practice and habit. Uh, this kind of goes to the next thing, and I, I hope we'll, and we'll be done. But, and that is the plurals here. But before we go there, I kind of... All right, so... Uh, I was praying this morning, and uh, we were back at the house. We've been house-sitting. So we were back at the house, and I was praying. It was earlier, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what, what's that? For some reason, my puppy found me, and, and for some reason, as I'm kneeling, curled up in between my legs right here. Uh, he curled up right in between my legs as I was praying, and I'm sitting there praying, and I'm like, and I called Ty. He said, Ty, you got to see this. And she comes in from the other room. I think you took a picture of it, didn't you? Probably should have put it up there. It'd been kind of fun. I'm not sure how what state what state of dress I'm in, but uh, it may not it may not be a picture you'd want to see. It would go well with the parade. Maybe. Anyway, so 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 anyway, but there, but I thought about that. But I that's me in my Savior. It's a picture. I. My Savior, uh, the, you know, it's funny. When, when Christ is seen in heaven, do you know what posture he's in? When Stephen gives the good testimony, one of the first martyrs of the church sees Jesus as he's being executed for taking a stand. And you know what he says? As he takes his stand, I see the Son of Man standing. <laughs> Jesus is standing. Are you, for us to be in Christ is to be in the presence of the Father and wrapped up in God's love. Christ's prayers are standing over you, Sidwin. 
Christ tells Peter, Peace, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that you may not fall. Oh, praise him. And you see, the invitation here is to connect more deeply with the love of God, to more, hey, more deeply with the active intercessory work of Jesus now, to, acti- to activate that, to move towards it. And that is how we will be able to both arrive, brace ourselves, and keep going because, because I, with the onslaught that happens in demonic and demonic attack. And, and the, the last image of that, my little puppy there, I thought, well, wait a second, there's something even more beautiful as we kind of, we can open that up because this is all in the second person plural. Um, I guess the way I say this is that the Southerners of our country, the Southerners of America can help rescue the gospel. The Southerners of America can help rescue the gospel. Why? Because these yous, uh, they're, they're all over the place here. Uh, you here, this one right here, and uh, there's a... As we, as we read this, we will atomize it. I never once in a while, we'll all hear it, we'll hear it individually. We'll all hear it for ourselves. All right, I'm going to go out there and fight. But this text is not an individual message to Corey. And it's not an individual message to a particular soldier about what their duties are on the battle. No, no, far from it. This is a command to a community to be standing, which implies your standing is ha- is, is affected by how you're standing with and for others. Ah, here, this is kind of cool. This word shield here is not the, uh, is not the uh, shield common in, in the Mediterranean. This is the shield of the Roman soldier. And the shield of a Roman, that word, it was like a, it was about as tall as me. And it was uh, like, a, like a rectangle. And the genius of uh, their military power was that they would take their shields and lock them. One shield next to another shield next to, you've probably seen this in the movies. And the shields would all be locked in together. And so that people could, and so you form a wall against the enemy. And what I hear here, what I see here, is that what I want to do is I want to tell you about the love of Jesus so I can be a shield bearer for you. So I too, and then you can stand next to me and we can stand next to one another bearing up the shield of faith because this is a communal activity. And, and this is where the, the, bullet, the, road kind of, the, I'm sorry, the rubber really hits the road. Thank you. Uh, where things kind of become more tangible and immediate. In other words, accessing the love of God that's displayed in the table is one of the ways we get into his power. This is your line of supply right here, right? Here it is. Here's your line of supply. Connect with the love of God every, as often as you can and connect with us together. Together, I am preaching the gospel to you. You're receiving it. But you know what's going to happen later? I'm going to get discouraged, Right? And I'm going to need your shield, Corey. Your shield's going to be over me. And there's this sense of us locking together and doing this work together. You know, as we, as we face the challenges and the struggles of spiritual warfare, I feel like we're all, put it this way, what a great, what a great strategy for our enemy, right? Get us all individually fighting. Let each one of us think we're standing on our own against a a world of troubles. Let us each one uh, think, oh no, you know, I've got to get my, and and not think for the others. Not think about it as a court, not think about it as a battle and a battlefield in which we have to be protecting what we are actually standing locked together. 
This is such a rich idea. And I, 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 look, my success as a pastor, as a spiritual warrior, let's say, is so deeply dependent upon you. Did you know that? You know, it's not, I mean, I wonder, would it be fair? Yeah, maybe there's pastors who have failed because of their congregations, because their congregation, not because they hated them, but because they weren't for them. Now, I feel like you're deeply for me, but I'm pushing a little harder here. I'm talking about Moses and the Amalekites. Look, God wants to make this really clear to you guys and everybody forever. So the people of God are fighting the Amalekites. And God says, look, I'm going to give you victory as long as Moses is standing with the staff raised in the air. And as long as Moses stood on the mountain overlooking the battle, the battle's happening in the plain, the valley below them. And as long as Moses stood there and praying to God, you know what happened? The people of God would win. They, uh, they, were, they, were, they were winning the day. They were winning the battle, the spiritual battle. But this is, this is kind of tiring, isn't it? This is kind of tiring. And, and remember, eight, eight, Moses is in his 80s. So that's even more tiring. And, you know, what are you going to do after a little while? It looks like the things are going pretty well down there. All right, let's, let's take a break. And they, this is actually true. They took a break. And the minute they took a break, they watched what happened. And the minute they took a break, the enemy started to win in the battle below. And so then Moses had to put his arms back up. And he's trying. He's trying. He's just, the battle's going all day. It says all the way into the night. And he's holding up the staff. So you know what happens is uh, Cedric, you can stand up. And Corey, you can stand up. It's kind of fun. Actually, Moses does wind up sitting down. But hold my arms up. Hold my arms up. That's what they did. That's what Aaron and her did. What's going on here, guys? What is happening right here as I'm describing this? Spiritual warfare with a community standing. Standing in the power of God. Standing and grasping prayer. Standing for one another. Taking up the shield of faith. Because those arrows hurt. <laughs> they hurt like hell. Because that's where they come from. And uh, uh, finally, I, I think that's about all I had to say. He is able to make you stand. Let's pray. Father, Father, I connect us with your power so that we are able to stand. And having done everything, to still be standing. I've seen so many people fall away, Father. So many people disappear over the years. So many people are gone. Ministers who left the gospel, people who leave the church. And uh, it can be so discouraging. But nobody ever taught me to stand with others. So, Father, we teach us this warfare and teach us the discipline of this warfare, that we must be connected to you. Connect us again to your power and your strength. Father, we want to give up superstition and, and some, you know, the devil made me do it and all these garbage that we think about. And we want to put on an armor and stand in the day because the days can get so evil and so hard. Some of us just want to take a rest and we need to lie down because we're tired. And that's why we need other people standing over us and all of us standing over each other and putting on the armor. Father, forgive us because we've been so slow. Our minds, our hearts have been slow to believe that these things are true. And so we've been suckers, unprepared, not braced for the conflict, not braced for the impact. And it knocks us over. No, Father, you were able to make us stand. Help us to get back up. 
And uh, you, I know a, a righteous man will be knocked down seven times, but he'll get up. He'll get up eight. I know, Father, that's what you do. It's what you promise. It's what you do. It's what your power looks like in your people. So, Father, this is what I'm praying. As we engage in this warfare, and we're called to take our stand here, as we're taking our stand, help us to keep the battle in mind, to get in this new habit of putting on and taking up the armor, to, to, to develop these new habits of godliness and warfare that will help us stand in the day of evil that's coming and help us stand for others and stand with others in this conflict. And above all things, Father, just show us again your victory, your strength, and your power. And we thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the night, oh gosh, uh, I guess I'm supposed to, uh, sorry. Sorry about that. There. On the night he was betrayed, what's going on? Oh, there we go. Uh, we're going to communion. Thank you. Thank you. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Take and drink. So often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What are we doing here? Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mighty power. We are standing on the cross. We are standing in the love of God. This is our power. You notice we only take communion as a group though, right? We only take it as a community. It's another one of those illustrations that we are together in battle and together we will stand and together we will fall. And so uh, let's, so as we come here, as we come to the table, uh, you know the drill here. This is a table for sinners. This is a table for people whose hope is in Jesus only. If you're a good person, if you're a good person today, then this isn't your table. This table isn't for good people. It's only for sinners. And so I want to encourage you, though, if, if Christ is your hope and your strength and your wholeness and your life and your power, then by all means, I mean, get this energy bar here. This is pretty much a sports drink for Christians in the battle. Amen? That's what communion is. This is what it is. This is, this is what it is. It's is function. And it's why we do it every week in worship. Finally, if you're a skeptic and you've been listening to me, I know that when I start talking about spiritual warfare, people who are skeptical uh, find this some of the most difficult things to understand. And I understand that. But uh, I'm hoping that as you watch us, as you watch us standing in the love of God here, you will be enticed and you will hear the truth of the gospel in your own heart. And so, but I, I ask you to watch and not participate. Now let's, so what we're going to do now is we're going to proclaim the mystery of faith and the Apostles' Creed. Then we're going to sing the doxology. Before we get on to that, we're going to, we're going to gather around Miguel and Miguel is actually going to, uh, back east and to New York, and he is going to share the gospel with Marilyn and, oh uh, gosh, I can't what name starting to get, Marilyn and, who are we praying for again today? Marilyn? Uh, Janet. Janet, that's right. And then Carmen, and his niece Carmen. And he's going to be bringing the gospel to them. And he really wants this trip to be a gospel trip like no other. So he really wants to be able to go back and really, really preach Jesus and the cross to them in a new way. So we're praying for that. We're going to, we're going to gather around him in prayer. And then when we're done, we'll, we'll have the doxology. We'll all go on our way. All right. So uh, will you stand? 
Uh, will you proclaim to me uh, the mystery of our faith? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Tell me, Christian, brother and sister, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy, Holy Catholic, Catholic Church, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Oh